right, welcome into another edition of the Duck Territory Podcast. Uh, Matt Prem and Eric Scopel here. Hey, Eric. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, guys. Uh, Adios. <laughs> this is our last podcast before the spring game. Game is at 2 p.m. on Saturday, April 20th. Uh, game will be on the Pac-12 networks if you are not in the vicinity of the state of Oregon, or I guess if you're you know, rambunctious enough to fly out from wherever you live to Eugene for a spring game. Uh, awesome on you if that's the case, but more often than not, if you're outside the state, you can watch this game on the Pac-12 networks. Eric and I, uh, we obviously work for DuckTerritory.com, and that's breaking news. And, uh, <laughs> and we will have live coverage uh, leading up to the game, during the game, post-game, uh, I think you submitted the request for our credentials. You handled that, oh, so yeah. we're we got seven deep. This yeah, weekend. We're, we're we're going really deep with our our site in terms of people at the game. Kevin will be there. I'll be there. Eric, our photographer, Gary, our Ethan, uh, our videographer, and then we'll have uh, one more person that Jared is is going to be there as well in a training capacity. Um, Alec as well will be there as well. So yeah, obviously we've got a lot of people. Um, I, I, I think this is a huge opportunity and a huge chance, you know, for, you know, really big opportunity for fans, for players, for coaching, the coaching staff to get a feel for what they have going into the 2019 football season. But at the same time, this is arguably the biggest recruiting weekend mm-hmm. of the year for Oregon football. Um, and so we'll need to go and, and touch base on both of those topics. Uh, a little bit on this podcast, but first, I want to share something on the site. If if you aren't a subscriber to DuckTerritory.com, uh, a why not? Because uh, Eric and I, I speak for Eric, we're pretty biased, but I think we do a very good job of covering a lot of things at Oregon. Um, now is the perfect time to, to try us out. You could sign up for a dollar for your first month, one dollar. That's all it costs for. Your first month of a subscription to VIP uh, for VIP access, or if you want to go all in and uh, your best route is to get 30% off your first year of your annual subscription, uh, that comes out to less than six dollars and thirty cents a month, Oof. which is insane. Uh, and your total bill is just going to be over seventy-five dollars for the year, which is, I believe, the lowest we've ever. It's had. never been that low yeah. before. Uh, it's traditionally priced at like $130 or thereabouts. Um, and I will also say this. This isn't going away for at least the immediate future. This, yeah. this is kind of our current price now. Yeah, this is not what we call a flash sale where yeah. we run something for four days in, you know, in preparation for a big thing. This is a this is going to be what it is, we think, for a while. So take advantage of this. Yep. This is a really, really good deal. Again, it's... 30% off of something that is, I think, extremely valuable for Oregon fans. A great tool. Getting it 30% off, I would jump on that any day. I and, and if you do go the annual pass, you do get no ads on the site, uh, which is tremendous. Um, so the, getting that out of the way, let's get into the team coverage a little yeah. bit. We'll talk recruiting at the second half of this podcast. Uh, I think... There's a lot of intrigue going into this uh, at a couple positions on both sides of the football. Uh, I thought there was going to be some intrigue at who is the number two quarterback. No longer the case. No longer the case because 
Mario Cristobal basically has confirmed who he believes is the number two. Yeah, after Saturday's scrimmage in Austin Stadium, which, by the way, unfortunately, media was not able to attend, so we won't have any kind of description or any kind of analysis of what took place. We do have a story up on the site with quotes from Cristobal kind of explaining what he saw. But one of the big things he said after that scrimmage was that Tyler Shuck was head and shoulders above any other quarterback not named Justin Herbert on the roster. So I think a very clear indication that Shuck is the backup quarterback, and if he performs well this weekend and then in the fall and then in workouts next year, I think you would expect this is an opportunity for him to be the quarterback after Justin Herbert. Yeah. You're just kind of reading between the lines here. Um, and so this is, I think, a huge opportunity for Tyler Shuck to go out here on Saturday after his coach has basically come out and said he's could be the quarterback of the future. Obviously, he didn't quite go that far, but a pretty strong stance. This is an opportunity for him to go out and, and really kind of Prove to Oregon fans that hey, I'm I'm the guy. Like you know, don't don't think we have to go out and pull another elite recruit. I can be the guy. Obviously, yep. Oregon's going after a lot of big recruits in 2020. We'll have updates on some of those later. But I think it's a big opportunity for him and for Oregon fans, especially with the concerns they've had at quarterback outside of Justin Herbert over the last five to six years. There's an opportunity to maybe feel pretty good about things. Running back, I think there was some intrigue there as well because. C.J. Verdell is basically all freshman year, all last year was kind of the starter. Uh, that kind of assumed, you know, his his man. He kind of assumed that role midway through the year and then solidified it. Uh, but spring ball, he's been dealing with some kind of a hamstring injury, and he's participated in scrimmages. Uh, but you could totally tell they are, lo- you know, lowering his workload mm-hmm. this spring, and you know, to prepare him for 2019, which has opened up the opportunity for. Travis Dye, Cyrus Avila-Keo, Darian Felix, kind of the, that trio to duke it out. And it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays out going into the spring, into the spring game. Yeah, and there's been a lot. I mean, compliments for all three of those guys yeah. have been abundant this spring. I think Cyrus received a lot of really yep. positive things, especially on Saturday. He, I think Felix, it sounded like, was has the flu. He's a little sick. He didn't practice in that scrimmage. And Avila-Keo got a lot of carries. And, and by the word, it sounds like he performed very, very yes. well. Obviously, last year he was basically goal line only. It'd be interesting to see what kind of a role he can play. It'd be interesting to see him get some run on Saturday, you know, in the middle of the field, you know, when Oregon is backed up in their own territory, because we've really only seen him when he's got, you know, he's got a great nose for the end zone. We've only seen him around the goal line. So curious to see him. Darian Felix, somebody that did not play last year, is dealing with a leg injury. He's now back. Has had some big moments in spring. I think he had a couple of great moments in that scrimmage up in Portland that we saw. A guy to watch, and obviously Travis Dye and C.J. Verdell, who we expect to take part in the scrimmage, are, are pretty known commodities. So I, I think, I think there, Verdell is clearly going to be, I think, the guy. But I think there is an opportunity now for Cyrus, for Travis, and, and for Darian to kind of make a name for themselves here and possibly push themselves into uh, a really nice work share with with somebody like you know, C.J., who again feels like he's going to be the guy, right. all conference player, ran for a thousand yards, but. I think it's a really deep group, and again, a lot of good versatility in that group. The Ducks also had a lot of questions at receiver, and justifiably so, because Dylan Mitchell's gone, and then uh, we we saw everyone else come back, but everyone else besides Dylan Mitchell uh, never really had uh, – there were flashes of, of greatness by yeah. a couple guys. And Jalen Red had some moments. But there was never you know a consistent production from anyone else outside of Dylan Mitchell – you could argue if that was because of targets or what not, whatever. I mean, that's a whole other podcast. Uh, but the reality is this. The receiver group came into spring needing to show 
uh, improvement, needing to have marked improvement, and at the same time, Oregon's welcoming in a couple new names at the receiver position, most notably four-star receiver Josh Delgado, four-star receiver Micah Pittman, and then graduate transfer uh, Juwan Johnson uh, from Penn State. All three of those guys have taken reps with the first-team offense at some point in time, uh, and all three guys have plenty of opportunities to play a ton of football. And so the spring game to me for this position group is going to be a culmination of a competition and seeing where they are after 15 practices. It'll be interesting to see how healthy they are too. I mean, that's been a group where we've seen Johnny Johnson off the side, Isaiah Crocker has had some time off the side, JJ Tucker has been off the side. I think Josh Delgado has only in the last week or so gotten himself fully healthy and back in practice. So some questions health-wise, I, I assume we'll see all or most of those guys. Ryan Addison, I think, has some sort of hand injury. Um, he's somebody I'm sure Oregon fans are curious to see. But I think, yeah, I think he nailed it with those three incoming guys, with Juwan Johnson, Michael Pittman, and Josh Delgado, an opportunity for them not only to kind of solidify themselves with this wide receiver core, but to make an impression with Oregon fans the first time out there. We've seen Johnson and Pittman take part in that that Portland scrimmage. Both guys had some really good moments. They both had touchdowns in that game. Delgado didn't take part. So we know those guys are capable. But, again, it's another opportunity to make an impression. And we should also say that I think it was last spring game that David Davis had an incredible spring game. Yeah. And everybody thought he was going to break out. We'd have a great year to get two touchdowns and, like, 80 yards. Well, he didn't. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 sometimes what we see in these spring games don't matter that much. And, and so I'm not saying that – I'm just saying go, go into this game and realize that if a kid comes out and has a massive sure. game – doesn't necessarily mean that this fall is going to be the year he right. he you know steps up because David Davis big game last year and now he's playing cornerback. Now I, I should also say and I forgot to even mention this just going over the the, the position group is yeah. this is a I, I think this position group is the most in flux out of anybody on the on, on the 100%. team because you've got a couple established guys and Brendan Schooler, Johnny Johnson the third and then Jalen Red and then you've got a couple redshirt freshmen. Type guys that came into the program with high expectations in Brian Addison, Isaiah Crocker, and J.J. Tucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got the new wave of guys in Juwan Johnson, and then Micah Pittman, Josh Delgado, and then in a couple weeks or a couple months, yeah. a couple more guys are going to show up in four-star Lance Wilhoyt and three-star uh, wide receiver J.R. Waters. So you, you've got really – there's a, so much you know, fluidness with this position group. Yeah. We're going to get an idea kind of of where things are at by Saturday, but then it's going to kind of be reset again all the way in August. I, I think what Oregon has at receivers is something we're still kind of wondering, our, you know, allowed ourselves, even going into their, you know, that first game in Dallas in August. I just think there's there's so many question marks, and like you said, um, there's a lot of new faces, there's a lot of returning guys, but none of those returning guys really solidified themselves in the fall that they have to be a starter next season. Right. And, and frankly... Guys like Pittman and Delgado come in, highly rated guys, with an opportunity to push those guys. And I think that's one of the things that a couple players have said this this spring so far is that it's been great having these young guys here because it's pushed the veteran receivers to step their game up because they recognize how much is on the line. And watching practice, these young guys are, are, are no joke. I mean, these guys are going to be good players at Oregon. So, again, I think certainly a position group that fans should be keeping, you know, keeping tabs on. I have my five biggest questions going into – uh, Saturday spring game up on the site now you can go check that out and, and that is one of my big questions is how are these wide receivers going to fare and what does it mean going you know going forward Oregon's offensive line is probably the group that has the least uncertainty out of any position group outside of probably Justin Herbert but even then there's some uncertainty because of who was behind him um, 
But the offensive line has basically stayed intact, first team, second team, yeah. from day one of spring football uh, until day 13, which was the last time we saw them practice. And no, absolutely no changes at all with the first team. And we should note that Calvin Throckmorton yeah. is not in that group just because he's still uh, healing from an ankle injury that he suffered in the Red Box Bowl December 31st. Uh, that's allowed Brady Ayello into the starting lineup, which is not a surprise. He spent, you know, he, he's probably started half of his games he's played uh, because of injuries, and uh, he is, you know, fully capable of being a, a Pac-12 starter for a lot of teams. So Absolutely. You, you've got a, a very good core group there, starting group, and then the second unit, there really hasn't been much change there either. I, I think the only change that's really happened is the right tackle position. And Stephen Jones is a red is a sophomore. Or he's a redshirt freshman. He's, he didn't play nothing. Yeah, he's a redshirt freshman and he is dealing with some kind of injury. So, you know, he the first half of spring ball he was kind of the right tackle and then an injury happened to him and he's been kind of been in and out and Dawson Drillamo, uh a redshirt freshman offensive lineman, has now kind of been the the regular at that position group, uh at that position on the second team and then everyone else joining with them is uh, George Moore at left tackle, Alex Forsyth at left guard, uh, Ryan Walk, a redshirt or a redshirt sophomore walk-on from Eugene, is, has been the center all spring, which was the case last year basically. Yeah. And then uh, the right guard is the newcomer Malasala Olamavu. Yeah, I can't pronounce his name. He's got the hardest on the roster. Yeah, t- ton of vowels. Uh, but he was the number one JUCO offensive lineman in the country coming out uh, in 2019. And he's part of the offensive line. So this group doesn't really have much. Yeah. And, and we I don't want to go too far down. The center position, I think, is something that will be in, something maybe you want to watch. Just because sure. Jake Hansen, this is his last year. He's been starting for four years now. Who takes over for him? Is it Ryan Walk? Who right. basically for the last two years has been the, the backup center? Or are there guys that are playing other positions right. that will slide in what, down the line? So what, really, what really changes that is Throckmorton is the backup center. Sure. But he's also a senior. So... You know, they're going to have to figure out who is that number, that true number two, because of you know obviously guys moving on. So yeah, that's a good distinction. Throckmorton is the number two center, but Rock Walk is running with the second team. Correct. When Throckmorton, even when he's healthy, is playing other positions. Sure. Uh, Oregon's defensive line, a group that saw Jalen Jelks move on uh, into he will be, hopefully be drafted some point in yeah. the next week or so in the NFL draft. Uh, Jordan Scott is back. Austin Fialo is back. Uh, You've also got Drayton Kahlberg, uh, Gary Baker, who's been dealing with some kind of a, a injury for for this spring. Yeah, uh, I don't know a, if he'll play. A leg injury. I doubt he's going to play. Uh, they've also welcomed in the five star Kayvon Thibodeau, which yeah. was discussions of where he was going to play, and we've kind of gotten the feel of that too. He's been defensive end the whole time, and really been disruptive. You know, we've kind of got an opportunity now to watch a couple of of them go through live drills, and he looks like the real deal. Sure. And, uh, Tyler Shuck, uh, you know, I asked him yesterday kind of who's been the most difficult guy on the defense to go against, and he pretty quickly said Mikhail Wright, which, by the way, is another name we haven't mentioned yet. He's a true freshman corner. But then said both Kayvon Thibodeau and Adrian Jackson off the edge have been really, really good in, in pass rush situations. I think there are probably fans that go, oh, boy, we lost Justin Hollins, we lost Jalen Jelks. We, you know, will we ever be able to get that for the quarterback? But with a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, a guy like Adrian Jackson, DJ Johnson – who has also, I think, had a pretty darn good spring and has huge upside, uh, Lamar Winston. There's a decent number yeah. of these kind of edge-rushing presences, and I think Oregon actually will have a pretty decent pass rush 
this season. And, we, and I think up front, they, they could be really good this year because we already feel really good about what we've seen from Austin Folio and Jordan Scott the last two years. Now you've got more edge rushers that could provide some things. So it'll be interesting to see how they play. It'll also be interesting to see exactly what Andy Avalos' defense looks like. Are they in a 3-4 most of the time? Are they in a 4-3? Is it a combination? I know he said he's going to be multiple. Another thing I had down on my five big questions was just what does his defense look like? At linebacker, it's pretty standard. We've got Troy Dye on the inside. Lamar Winston will be back on one of the outside spots. He's been working, like you said, with the stud group, and he could be on the other side too. Uh, and then it's kind of a, a collection of, of, of guys of and, guys. and potential of, of, you know, a lot of different rotations, lineups, if you will, uh, that Oregon could, could roll out, uh, on opening day because you've, you've got Isaac Slade, Matuatia, you've got Samson New, Andrew Johnson, Key Sims, uh, Juco transfer, Drew Smith, is in there, Gmon Eford, who's an early enrollee, MJ Cunningham, who redshirted last season, Adrian Jackson, DJ Johnson, those two guys you mentioned at that stud position. So yeah. there's a lot of moving parts. I, I think the receiver position was completely the most uncertain position. This is probably the second most, yeah, just would, because of uncertainty. Yeah, I would say so, because you look at the defensive line, like we said, they return a lot. They've got some newcomers that are coming in that are big. Secondary, we'll get to in a moment, feels sort of similar, right. a lot of returning guys. Linebacker, they do have returning guys, but they do lose two starters in Kalana and in And there's, uh, the, there's the scheme and change. There's a scheme change. So there's a lot going on here. We've seen Isaac Slade and Sam Sanu kind of be 1A, 1B next to Troy Dye as a sure. second inside linebacker. Those are the kind of guys to keep an eye out there right now. And then on that outside, that stud spot, it's been a big rotation of DJ Johnson, uh, Lamar Winston, uh, uh, and Adrian Jackson. So those are kind of guys to keep an eye out for. I, I am also curious to watch... Andrew Johnson and Gmon Euford and Drew yeah. Mathis, these are their first games that these guys will play, uh, or first opportunities in Austin to watch them play. Three guys that come in with, with quite a bit of uh, expectations and hype. So I think certainly a group to, to keep an eye on for. And I feel like I've said that after every position we've talked <laughs> about. But I really do think you could make a case that each of them has something pretty notable and, and noteworthy to kind of track. And for a linebacker, I think it's just who's going to be those other guys besides Troy Dye because it's kind of unclear. Exactly. Right uh, Oregon secondary... They lose Ugo Amadi, um, but that's it. And you bring back Diomade Lenore and Thomas Graham for their junior seasons. Uh, Javon Holland was a freshman All-American, as a, obviously as a freshman last year. Uh, he is kind of assuming now Ugo's spot full-time, probably, I would say. Yeah. Um, or maybe, I don't know if it's necessarily Ugo's spot, but he's kind of the, he's now kind of the head of the, of the, of the safeties, the, the top of the defense. Uh, Nick Pickett, a junior, is back. He's kind of started a lot the last two years. He has 15 starts, which yeah, is more than which, I would have thought. Which yeah. is quite a bit for a guy that I don't think really anyone was expecting to, to, to play right away. He played as a true freshman. And he's played at high, we should say, he's played, quietly played at a pretty high level. I think he was right. like fourth or fifth on team in tackles last year. Yeah, he, he started 12 games in 2018. He started three games in 2017. He's played in uh, 24 games. So he started over half of his games that he's played now at Oregon. And uh, he's turned out a, a really solid career. Brady Breeze. Uh, another another junior on the team. He hasn't started any games in his career, but he has played in 24 over the last two years. And we should mention, he's been getting some first-team runs, yeah. kind of quietly. Uh, something to kind of keep an eye out for. And so at, at safety, you're, you're at the secondary position, you kind of have some experience. And obviously in Graham and Lenore and, and Pickett and Holland, those are your four most experienced guys. Breeze is the fifth. Uh, and then you've got kind of a collection of 
how do they all fit? Hacky Woods is, is back for his senior season. Uh, Michael Wright, who Thomas Graham says will be the next freshman All-American. So both of us yeah. said separately. Separately. He'll, he, he, Thomas Graham is a big believer in Michael Wright. He's a freshman at cornerback. Uh, you've got Khalif Halisi, who's a sophomore on the program. Quietly and, been really good at safety. And then, uh, and you've also got Verone McKinley, the set, the third, excuse me, who's a redshirt freshman. And then obviously you said David Davis has moved from cornerback, from receiver to cornerback. I want to briefly, I think Verone McKinley is someone, and I don't think I've written on him, he's deserved some credit because he's been that top nickelback. It, when we've watched him run through their defense, they, they've basically been running either like a 3-3-5 sure. or a 4-2-5. With the, with the fifth defensive back, and that's basically always been Verone McKinley with the first team. I think he's pretty clearly their nickel back right now. I'm sure Mikhail Wright will get an opportunity at that going forward, but somebody to highlight, Hockey Woods has been kind of the second guy, so sort of some interesting kind of dynamics there, but I think McKinley is going to be a guy, at least right now, looks like he's going to have a pretty significant role for that secondary. And I also left off Steve Stevens. And yeah, oh, that's a big, that's a big miss on my part. Well, I think, well, I think Stevens, we should say Stevens, Halisi, uh, and Breeze have all had first team reps at yeah. some time this spring. Um, part of that's because Holland and Pickett have, I think, had some injury things, but, uh, those are, I think the safety group, quietly, pretty deep, pretty good group. I mean, Stevens was a really highly rated recruit. Halisi, has kind of been a, maybe a bit of a surprise in Breeze. Obviously, people are fairly familiar with him as an in-state kid that came with some expectations. So I think that secondary is a group that is a lot of things to watch against. Steve Stevens was a U.S. Army All-American coming out of high school, four-star recruit, and uh, a guy that had some kind of injuries going on his freshman year and kind of prevented him from developing and getting himself ready for the football season during the off year. And now he's healthy, he's back, and... You know, I, I, he's going to be a guy I think that kind of got lost in the shuffle, Agreed, yeah. and will probably show up big at moments during the 2019 season. And people will go, "Wow, where'd this guy come from?" When in reality, he was really good. Yeah, he, he he's somebody that feels like they they could really build, and and by the end of the season, they go from somebody that maybe was an afterthought to becomes a, a pretty big player. Maybe right. like a Gus Cumberlander storyline, where at the beginning of the year, kind of like, oh. Is he going to put it together? And by the end, he does. And along those same lines, I, I think Bryson Young seems to have had a really good spring. He was with the first team defense yesterday, um, kind of playing a, a hybrid defensive line linebacker position. Another guy who quietly, I know we're not talking secondary, but quietly has had a pretty good spring. Uh, special team to wrap things up here. Um, punter is kind of Blake Maymoan, Tom Snee back again. Yeah. I, I think both those guys share that role. Uh, long snapper is, you know, Carson Battles probably in that position. Uh, punter, or punt returner, that's gonna be one that's gonna, no clue. No clue. We've got 12 guys probably returning punts. Kick returner, probably the same thing. Um, and then on top of that, you've also, we're trying to figure out now who, uh, will be the, the place kicker and who will be the guy that handles kickoffs. And that's in large part because Adam Stack, the junior kicker, he hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been healthy in his entire career at work. This was number four on my uh, questions uh, because I think we have no idea what the kicking game looks like right now, and that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Obviously, you'd like to have a, you'd like to have Aiden Schneider on your roster. You'd like sure. to have somebody who has experience coming back. Stack obviously has some, but wasn't particularly impressive last year. I think he was six for ten, and he missed all of his kicks longer than like thirty-eight yards. So, not somebody who had a great season. They brought in Camden Lewis, who's another kicker on scholarship. It's not real common you have two place kickers on scholarship because usually one of them is the one handling the duties. The other one, you would like him to be not taking up a scholarship. Um, we haven't seen a ton of Lewis, but we should say that you know in the scrimmage in Portland, they I think they tried three kicks as a group and they all missed. And then in the spring game or the practice, 
uh, on Saturday, the second scrimmage in Ots, and uh, Cristobal said it was hot and cold kicking. So I, I think this is an opportunity for for some people to make some to make some positive contributions. We, we really sure. don't know what this group looks like, but right now I think it's one of those positions, along with wide receiver, um, where you just don't really know, and there's probably some concern. Uh, from a recruiting perspective, now we're not going to go through every single recruit that's here because, Dang quite it, frankly, there's about 50 guys that are going to be here. And we have another commitment in the next 20 <laughs> minutes, and we don't want to be here. We want to make sure we make that commitment. Uh, in terms, Eric is talking about personal commitments for him and I. Oh, uh, correct. We are not making it. Correct. There is not a commitment coming. That is very, yeah, gotta be very careful when talking recruiting, not to use the word commitment that way. We have an appointment yes. later on that we're making, um, that we have to get to, so we won't talk about everybody. That, that being said, this is arguably, look, this is, this is nowhere near the, at least what we have right now. The list as of April 17th on a Wednesday at 9.40 in the morning. Um, this list is not even close to the sheer number of guys that were here two years ago for Willie Taggart's first spring practice. Right. Or first and only, I should say, uh, spring practice, spring game that he had. Cause there was over a hundred guys that were at that game from a, I'm using air quotes here, recruiting prospectus. Uh, the reality is that, that game, yeah, there were over a hundred guys that most we've ever seen at Oregon. The reality is over 60% of those guys were probably never going to become Oregon prospects. And many of them never ended up being Oregon prospects. We're talking – Taggart invited high schools that didn't have a single Division One walk-on caliber guy on their team. He just wanted to bring everybody here, generate some kind of buzz, and it worked. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it 100% worked. That being said, Oregon's, class, Oregon's group that's coming in now under Mario Cristobal, it's around 50 guys. Give or take a few. I haven't looked at the you know the official numbers in the last 24 hours, but the number the guys that we have, this is the most talent rich visitor list. I've covered Oregon football for almost 10 years now. I've ever seen. I've followed Oregon football for five or six years before that. I have never seen this many players uh, show up for a spring game that are, that are on on record for coming. We've got five star quarterback, number one prospect. Uh, at that position for 2020, DJU. We've also got five-star wide receiver. Uh, the name is Johnny Wilson. Yep. It's escaping yep. me. Five-star linebacker, Justin Flo, who's the number three player in the country. Uh, Johnny Wilson is 25th player, is 25th best player in the country for 2020. The 2021 number one player in the country is coming to Oregon for an, for an unofficial visit. And, and these, you know, these are just guys that are, uh, Five stars. I yes. mean, it, I just looked off four of them. Uh, and on top of that, there's there's probably 10 to, to 20 more guys that are ranked inside the top 50 uh, mm-hmm. that, that are going to be on campus. This is an opportunity to set the table for what could be a recruiting class that actually improves upon what they did in 2019. Which did not seem ever realistic. I was going to say, which seemed crazy to talk in those terms. But when you have this many five-star guys, and that's not even including someone like Sabelle Smalls that was just here this past weekend – um, and a bunch of other guys that have come through and that are interested in Oregon. I think there's a chance this is this becomes the best class Oregon has signed, and there's an opportunity for that start this weekend. And again, all of this is momentum based, and Oregon has done a fantastic job with the momentum of getting things. And I think one thing that was really stood out to me that Cristobal said um, after Saturday's practice was he really wanted to build up how big the spring game was, how important it was, how important it was for the fans to be involved, not just because it would be good for them, but because. There's going to be important, I think he said important people, which IE means recruits that yeah. are going to be here. It's an opportunity to really sell yourself. And so 
I think he's done a great job of building that buzz. Like you said, with, with Taggart, he's taken that to another level, and they've now got these elite, elite guys coming in with an opportunity with the way recruiting works now to make some inroads pretty early. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out because I, I honestly think that – I don't think Oregon's going to land 15 verbal commitments this weekend. Uh, that would surprise me. Then now, that, that would really make my <laughs> workload a little different. Yeah, especially. Uh, that being said, when signing day in December arrives and we look at the class that Oregon has signed, it doesn't – it will not surprise me one bit if Oregon has 15 guys – in that list of, of commits and signed players that were in attendance for Oregon's spring right. game on April 20th. That's not going to su- surprise me one bit because we've got guys making their third, fourth, fifth unofficial visit to Oregon on Saturday. Guys make, you know, you got five stars who are coming out saying, I'm coming, I'm paying my own way to come to Eugene. And then I'm also going to come back in the fall for an official visit. So, you know, Oregon's got an opportunity to really build the foundation here. Mm-hmm. And this is, We've talked about this a ton, and we'll wrap things up here with this, is that recruiting has changed in the last five years. In the last two years, it's drastically changed at Oregon to the point where it used to be months in May, June, and July. Those were coasting months. Those were months where you made evaluations. You maybe picked up three or four verbal commitments each month. And you go on your way and you go into August with eight or nine, ten verbal commitments and you kind of have an idea of, okay, these are the guys that we want to go after. Right. Today's world in recruiting, you're behind if that's the strategy that you take. You need to be at 10, 15 commitments by June. You need to have a clear indication of in, that, in those last three or four months before the signing period in December of who are your final 15 targets, like, you know, the guys that you really need. Who are those guys? You need to have a majority of your class figured out. And that starts with this weekend recruiting and figuring out who's serious, who's not, and how do we adjust? I think anybody in attendance is fairly serious. Yes. But, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. This is a, this is a monumental weekend, both for the program in terms of what we see on the field, kind of, you know, setting up things for this 2019 season. But like you said, Recruiting never dies, and this is a humongous weekend for them. Uh, for Eric and myself, Matt Prame, thanks for listening to the Duck Territory Podcast. Again, I'll say this one more time. Uh, if you are not a subscriber, please go to DuckTerritory.com. Give us a subscription. Uh, it costs you $1 for your first month. $1 uh, for your first month of VIP membership. If you want to go all in and buy a whole year subscription, uh, we have cut our prices down 30%. Uh, you will now pay less than $76 for the year for your for your year subscription, which then also eliminates ads on the website. Uh, it comes out to less than $6.50 per month. Uh, incredible prices. Are, we've cut prices significantly uh, across the board uh, for you to try us out or to get us in as uh, an annual subscriber. And I, I really think this is the perfect time for you guys to give us a try. There's a lot going on, even though spring football is now officially over on the second recruiting kicks into high gear now and it becomes the full focus of this Oregon staff as they head out on the road for recruiting for the next month or so. So uh, for Eric and myself, thanks for listening. We hope to see you on DuckTerritory.com and we'll talk to you next week. Adios, muchachos.